Hello everyone, welcome back to the 100th episode of the Dawn of X podcast, the podcast we talk about the best books in the X-Men line. I'm your host Nick, as always accompanied by the amazing co-host. Oh, you shouldn't have. I am Josh. Um, I'm, I'm super excited because we usually cover the best in X-Men books. Today, we're covering the best there ever was. This is fair. This is truly fair. Is... Today, we are covering the whole Phoenix Saga. And when we say today, dear listener, <laughs> what we mean is over the span of most likely four episodes, <laughs> we will be covering the entirety of the Phoenix Saga. So hit them up real quick with what issue numbers we're covering. If we, you have in front of you. I will in a second. We're covering issues 97 all the way to i'll get there in a second it's looked weird on my <laughs> document it's uh i think it's the last issue i think the last 138 issue. yeah so there is a chunk in between there that we're not covering yes. because not a whole lot of phoenix stuff happens so basically what we're doing today is covering the newly released omnibus that came out called simply the phoenix um and it contains both the uh, the the beginning of the phoenix story when gene first gets the powers and then the omnipresent <laughs> everyone knows it dark phoenix saga so buckle up buttercups yeah we have so much to get into and for me personally like a new experience like i've never actually read the entire phoenix saga i read the dark phoenix saga like years years ago but i've never yeah. started just from the straight beginning i told you this is why i this is why i've been adamant that we do it this way and for once i'm happy you were truly there you go see so, sometimes so before, it pays to listen to me you son of a bitch sometimes so yeah, before yeah, sometimes is the optimum word there yes <laughs> into all of that first of all first and foremost Thank you guys so much. We would not be at 100 episodes if it wasn't for you and our weird persistence to talk to each other. Our our ever our never dying uh friendship and some questionable choices by some people out there have have gotten us all the way to 100 episodes. So <laughs> thank you I, again. No idea why you're even listening right now, but I appreciate it if you are and that's amazing. Um and a special shout out to uh one of our listeners, Shea, uh, you'll be seeing when this comes out, has uh, created an amazing graphic to to go along with our 100th episode commemorating yes. the Phoenix Saga. And I am very, very excited to post that on the internet. It looks fantastic. Huge shout out. So honored to even have our image on a beautiful artwork like that. So thank you so much for making that. And... I, I want to give a special thank you to Shea for dealing with my vanity because at one <laughs> point in the original, um, a photo, you remember the photo we took in the mall of us drinking like milkshakes and shit way, way back. Oh, yeah. And there's like shadow. So you can't really tell that like my, my mustache and beard connect. So there was like, <laughs> I just had a mustache and, and then a beard and I, 
could not handle that because I think that's a really weird look. No offense to any listener that has that. Like on you look me, like a biker. <laughs> on me, it looks weird. And so seeing it drawn there, knowing that it was gonna live forever on the I just couldn't handle it. So thank you, Shea, for uh for putting up with that dumb request. <laughs> so guys, before we get into the craziness of the Phoenix saga, few announcements, just a few, because we're gonna save our big announcements for the end of the Phoenix saga. We're going to talk about the future of this entire podcast and where it's going. But before we get to that, I'm going to give you a little taste of what we're planning in the future. Coming soon, we will have the Ultimate Corner, hosted by yours truly, where I'm basically going to fill Josh in on what's happening in the current Ultimate Universe, which is also being spearheaded by Jonathan Hickman. So that's pretty cool. And here's one of the fun things about this upcoming segment is like you said, you're going to be telling me exactly what happens. Yeah. I don't even have to be here for some of that. You can just record it, pretend like I'm there. Oh, yeah. Perfect. It's perfect because this sounds like an awful segment to me. I don't want to do the old. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's Hickman. I'm interested. Hey, they gave Hickman his own universe again. And um, as I teased to you yesterday, some ideas he's kind of reusing from his Krakoa era stuff. Um, in sure. his de- in, in in his defense, though, he did not create the Children of the Vault. That that no, that was um, somewhere in the early two thousands. I forget who that was now. No, but um, yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to get to that. Currently out right now are the first four issues called Ultimate Invasion, and then issue one of the Ultimates or Ultimate Universe. So if anyone wants to catch up, those are the books to read, and then I will be going from there and recapping the rest of the issues that happen every month and seeing how that goes for fun. And that's it. And that's that, motherfuckers. So the way we're going to be doing this story is we're going to give summaries of each issue and then do our classic bits of how we feel about said issue. And then I will, in, in, in my parts of how we feel about said issues, we'll often monologue probably for 12 to... 20 minutes at a time so i'm expecting nothing less than <laughs> and also because this is classic claremont era we should have a narrator we shouldn't just have me and you yammering and yammering on so you know what i think we're gonna have a beautiful narrator when we get to our summaries but before we get to that josh i think you have some history about what we're covering today yeah so like just to kind of go over what the Phoenix like Claremont coming on, what that meant to the X-Men as a, as a, as a franchise. Cause it was a cold ass franchise when he uh, took over. So he started with issue 94 and the first issue we're going to be covering is 97. So this is the Phoenix saga. The stuff he lays down for later on in his run starts so fucking early. Like it's incredible to think about. Um, he was working as like kind of a like a plotter before this on the x-men office and since like everything um he was pitching they were like sure yeah whatever we don't have any like no one cared about the x-men except for for claremont basically so he just took over and he wrote the x-men he wrote a bunch of x-men related books but the actual main x-men title he wrote for 17 fucking years from yeah. 1975 <laughs> to 1991, there was one and one only X-Men writer, and that was Chris Claremont. And one thing, and I'm wondering Multiple if this, books, by the way. Like, and then at some point, yes, at some point yeah. he, he started the New Mutants book. Um, 
he started Excalibur late in the 80s. X Factor, I want to say. X Factor was not him. No? No. no. He uh, very much did not like X Factor. <laughs> um, spoiler alert for those who don't know about the Dark Phoenix saga. She kicks it at some point in the story. I won't tell you when. Um, but, How many times? And, and again, she, she kicks it every couple of years now. Um, yeah. And he did not like... And we'll, we'll cover this when we get to the actual Dark Phoenix saga because there's a lot of like history behind it, like in editorial decisions and stuff. Um, but he did not like the choice of what had to happen to Gene. And so then they ended up bringing Gene back in a way he also did not like just so they could launch another X-Men book because it was super popular and they wanted the original X-Men back together. And he had at this point like written Cyclops off the book. He had written Gene was dead. Like he was like, no, I had like, they are retiring. His vision was always going to be a rotating group of mutants because eventually they would age out of it. They would retire and live their lives. Well, you could feel that in some of the issues where Scott's like, man, I'm getting too old for this. Or like the haggard feeling at most Scott is 21 in this book. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, he constantly mentioned how he's like too old for this shit. Yes. He's, this is about the, this he's before lethal weapon. Really? Yeah. That was, that was lethal weapon. Right. I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Oh, trust me, I was shocked many times in reading this book going, oh, yeah, this is the 70s. This is late 70s, early 80s. I know. It's it's crazy. Like, um, yeah. A couple, a couple other notes I want to make sure I, I touch on. So, like, with Claremont, and, and again, it shows in the way he plots things out for, for further use or future use. Um, Claremont has said in interviews, and I'm sure, I, who knows if he actually went in with this mindset or if he's retconning it himself, but <laughs> he, he has said that his goal was to write, quote, the great American novel about complex characters who just happen to fly. And I can't think of a better fucking analogy for what <laughs> his run on the main X-Men book was. Like, it was just, it was so self-contained. Like, in a way we can't even fucking imagine now. Because crazy of how, how much stuff happens in one issue so much stuff but like it's allowed like it all exists in this world it there's no retconning yet it's all you know what i mean like it's just this feeling of like safety in claremont's writing <laughs> that you don't get anymore because they kicked them off the book and fucking just kept cashing in on x-men checks so what have Back then, would Jim Lee era been the ending of his run? That was his, yeah. So in 1991, in 1990, Jim Lee started doing like guest pencils on X Men, and then he kind of, he he was getting kind of popular and and fame and and famous in his own right, and so they put him on the book with Claremont, and I believe it was by issue two. I think it was like two issues in, they gave him the boot and just gave the book completely to Jim Lee. And then I th- think, I don't remember who the first writer was after him. Like, Cause if Jim Lee would do plotting, but I forget if it was um, Fabian Nasiasha was the first one or Scott L- Lobdell. I can't remember now. I was just uh, thinking, I would think Scott Liddell cause Fabian was probably doing X or new mutants. Doing and X-Force. Like, yeah. He was doing new mutants that turned into X force with, um, that asshole whose name we don't need to mention. Yes, I agree. 
But yeah, uh, the the Jim Lee era, the era that a lot of us my age and and even in your age as well, um, that was the era we grew up in. That was like the art of the of the time. Jim Lee was god of everything, and him being on X like X Men number one, the relaunch of nineteen ninety one is still to this day the greatest selling comic of all time. Like it has sold more copies. It's still number one. Still number one. I like wow. literally looked it up not that long ago, and it was still number one. It's insane. That is, that's pretty insane. impressive. Which means none of them are worth a goddamn thing. <laughs> yes, I do have my trade version signed by Jim Lee. That that's was cool. that was pretty nice. That was pretty nice. That's I do want to meet Chris Claremont one day to get him to sign the the other part of it. That would, yeah, <laughs> I wonder if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me scowl. Uh, so two two last points about Claremont and then let's jump into this motherfucker. Um yep. Claremont took over and ev- the the X-Men were still in that Stanley era. And there's a lot of he he references it himself too in in um early these early chapters. But he modernizes the X-Men. He takes them out of that 60s Oh gosh, what's gonna happen? The damsel and the gene always being the weakest, like most the liability. He turns all of that around. He makes them all modern. He makes Gene the center point, the most at some point makes her the most powerful being in the Marvel universe. He makes her the most badass character on on the team at this point. So I just I love that's our X-Men now. Like Chris Claremont took the X-Men from what they were, which again was a dead-ass franchise, and transformed them into characters we still recognize. There's still, like, the shit-talking fucking X-Men. Well, when you look at... And they're super horny still, which is another big fucking thing. Did you see my notes? Yes. (laughs) They are super horny. Um, Yeah, I think one of the biggest takeaways when I started reading all this was, like, wow, Storm... If I'm a new reader, I would think Storm is the most powerful mutant. And like they show off how powerful she is and how no one's I think the only damsel I noticed in this whole thing sometimes was either the entire group when they kept getting captured or Banshee. Banshee I love I saw that note right before we start re- recording. I'm like, Banshee is the goddamn damsel in this <laughs> He place. really is. You mean taking to the top of a castle? It literally <laughs> dangled from the co- Yeah, it's fucking wonderful. Yeah. So So it was it was really impactful, but I think Every time you read it, like you see the love and care into yeah. specifically understanding every character's characteristic and motivation. Yeah, truly. He like he and you can see him figuring it out too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like trying oh, shit out. There, there's a few times they are very clearly figuring out, even if a character is a mutant or not. Yep, yep. <laughs> so my last note, and then we can move, is the Phoenix saga alone. Because again, of course, Chris Claremont is the person who created so many of the characters we know and love today um but the phoenix saga alone the thing we're about to cover is the first appearances of kitty pride emma frost sebastian shaw the entire hellfire club the shiar (laughs) empire and the star jammers and i'm probably missing a few of them well it really puts in perspective for me when i started reading this because again i've never read the entire saga Mm -hmm. like when people go, oh, we're going to do the Phoenix Saga in a movie. That is it. fucking stupid. You can't you do can't. it. You can't. To do it right, 
Like, even now that I'm watching this version of the animated series, I see how much they condense. And that's kind of like the most you can condense. Like, yeah, and again, they, they did it in multiple parts. parts. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's kind of crazy to say, yeah, we're going to do the Phoenix Saga. Really, you're doing 1% of the beginning and then like half of the ending. They they all want to jump. Here's the thing, and this is exactly back to my point for why I've been saying we got to do the whole fucking thing. They all want to jump to the Dark Phoenix saga because they all remember it as the sexier, action-packed one. Yeah, and and it is, but you that payoff, that story is so fucking lackluster. If you don't get this shit first, yes, in my opinion, because like. You're jumping in, and you're like, okay, she's just superpower, I guess, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it's just there's so many nuances that happen early. You're on. trying to get to Return of the King, but you have to actually watch the whole thing. Boom, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I got on Claremont. All right, well, guys, get ready, buckle up, because we're starting the hey, Phoenix. That's gimmick infringement. I'm the one who says buckle up around here. <laughs> you buckle up. You buckle up right now. God damn it, I'm buckled up. Because we have to listen. <laughs> to the lovely voice of our narrator. Take us away. You want me to say the first part? Yeah. Well, uh, the, is that the title of the issue? No, I guess I should. Yeah, it's just the timestamp. Yeah. the recording. Uh, no, just start issue 97. Yes, the, the chapter, the birth of the Phoenix part is just, I kind of broke it into chunks for us to kind of like... So you did write an essay. I did. Wow. Jess, how does Jess sound so much fucking? Where is Jess holding that microphone? That's where right you... in front of my way. fucking face. Was I not holding the same way? Yes. I was. I was holding the same way. <laughs> she's then she's my got voice better... is just better. She's oh. got a better mic voice, dude. She's she's That's why she's a narrator. She's taking over. She took over right. our spots. <laughs> All right, Jess. So again, I <laughs> wrote this as though I was the one speaking. So sure. God bless. Um and count yourself in when you're ready. Three, two, one. Issue 97. Charles begins having visions of the Shi'ar Empire and thinks he's lost his mind. Moira is taking care of him, despite them just breaking up, and convinces him to take a vacation to relax. Alex and Lorna are doing their archaeological thing when Eric the Red attacks them and mind-controls them. Eric the Red, Havoc, and Polaris then attack Xavier and the X-Men at the airport as Xavier is leaving. The X-Men are getting their asses handed to them, and then Banshee and Wolverine show up, and Eric the Red takes off with Havoc and Polaris. After the fight, we get the best Claremont trope of someone watching from a distant monitor. Thank you, gentle narrator. That was that was lovely. Um, Perfect. No I, notes. I do, well, a few, a few, but not about the narration. Um, <laughs> and so, dear listener, I do want to say, if Jess says anything <laughs> that sounds stupid or weird, that's my fault. That's I'm literally me. reading from a script. That's that's exactly what I want them to know. These please I, don't touch the mic unless you're handed the mic. Thank you very much. This um, I wrote this not thinking anyone but myself was going to be the one reading them. So, <laughs> God bless you, Jess. God bless you.
one of us has to talk now. <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> All, All right, right. You, so you now in this issue, so again, this was my first exposure, not my first, I shouldn't say, I, I read Days of Future Past and God Loves Man Kills, but this kind of like my first time, I feel like I read movies, now I'm entering a show, if that makes any sense. It does, it makes perfect you know? sense. So like, I feel like it's my first entry into the show of these characters and how they're being represented, and you know what a good way to start is? An airport fight. Let's just have a nice airport fight, Civil War style. <laughs> and not right there you go and not only are you thrown into a world where you're like all right here's an airport fight have fun with it but you're also you're jumping straight in to pure claremontism yes because this motherfucking shit starts off with a goddamn shakespeare quote oh. <laughs> like he's <laughs> literally what it was? Like, the bard said it best and then he gives a long fucking quote from hamlet and fucking, it like all to explain that Xavier's having bad dreams. <laughs> yeah, there was quite a few moments um, that made me. I fell in love with the art because it was so insane. Dave Cockrum's art is so fucking good, and he truly fucking just—it's—it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful it art. Like I, I admit, and then when we get to the Dark Phoenix saga, the artist on that one, John Burt Burn, is phenomenal as well like obviously he was the x-men artist for for fucking ever um but there i missed that like superheroes who weren't like roided out like, like yes they like the x-men look like people <laughs> you know what i mean like and now they look like gods in a way i mean they are gods but you know what i mean yeah, it's I don't know I know what you mean because it just feels different. It's hard to explain compared to like modern art or digital art, but something about it feels like refreshingly original. Yeah. Like, like you feel the, like someone took the time to make these panels, you know? I know. When, like there there's a panel I put in in our notes of after Polaris has been mind controlled into um zapping Alex to death like the art in that panel like look the color i i don't remember the colorist name but the color of that panel alone is so fucking 60s sci-fi and it's like for all the we want to shit on stan lee isms that claremont and and co do i guess they fucking love them some jack kirby though because this is 100 percent some jack kirby crazy shit well, that's the first thing I think of when I see all of Xavier's cosmic nightmare stuff. Yeah, exactly. Very, very Kirby. And I do want to point out, too, one one little fun fact here. Um, at this point, Lorna Dane only goes by Lorna Dane. The first I time, didn't know who that was. The first time... Because he looks different. <laughs> well, I mean, the green hair is the same. So. I thought it was just bad printing. It's supposed to be blonde. Uh -huh. So I'm like, who's Havoc's blonde girlfriend? Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, and the costume looks like it would be a, a Scarlet Witch costume or something. I mean, I don't so, think she ever really wears that costume outside of this again. If I, I mean, she doesn't but, even wear it in this. She wears like the green one later. <laughs> but what what I want to say about that though is that's a code name. Like that's a code name given to her by somebody who is taking control of her body. And she then like takes that on as an identity moving forward. Like Claremont, like, I mean, the whole fucking Phoenix saga is basically uh, an allegory for mental illness, <laughs> but, but so like the shit, like back to that great American novel shit, like so much of the character work he does 
in a silly little punch him up comic. Like a lot of like what Lorna got, like Claremont on several occasions through his run has Lorna lose her own agency. Has somebody mind control her? Has somebody else in her, in her body making decisions for her? And like the building of her, of her bipolar, like, like so many people with like that kind of condition relate to Lorna because of shit like that. Like, I, I don't know if it's like accidental, you know, and like we just read it academically however we want to, or it, like, but it feels, it does feel like a lot of this. He's like, he, he knows what he's doing on this shit. I always feel when stuff like that, like retroactively is looked at as this amazing piece for this or that reason. I always think it's a, always a bit of both. Like it's a little bit Absolutely. of truth, a little bit of not, you know, I mean, as an like, English major, I can 100% it's a bit of both. Yeah. We got to bullshit like, something, man. Yeah, it happens in movies all the time now where someone goes back and goes, oh, this is what the movie actually meant. And it's like, is it or did they just make the movie and like fell into this theme? You know, like I feel the same way a lot with Claremont stuff where it's like, all right, I see the message that you're going for and I see how you're getting there. Did you mean to fall into it so effortlessly? Hey, you're not going to tell me the truth, you know, like. Yeah, and. (laughs) And then, and then, like to that point too, like Claremont, for all of his like pro-feminist um, writing, because all he's the one who makes all of the the best X-Men women. Um, yes. One of one of Lorna's first like fucking uh, sentences is something like, "Face it, you hit the jackpot with that guy. You'd be lost without him," or some shit like. And then zap. <laughs> and then she gets fucking zapped. I and thought also, she was killed and replaced. When no, I first no, saw it. So I yeah, thought yeah. like this innocent woman with havoc was like, I'm so happy, and then dies and replaced by this evil person. I mean, that's fucking havoc's life. That um, yeah, havoc has a lot of bad luck with ladies. And and you can thank fucking Chris Claremont for that shit. He gave him a lot of I don't know, it's like mommy issues, maybe like the root of it. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it I, did lose, I never, he did lose his mom early. I mean, he lost everybody early. That's thought, yeah, especially. That's um yeah it's it's fucking nuts it's fucking nuts man but yeah so the x-men are fighting in the airport again some great imagery while the pilots are like can we get the fuck out of here <laughs> like i i love how the pilots is commentating like this is crazy yeah <laughs> speaking then, of commentary the fucking sassy ass narrator <laughs> fucking love when he he does his sassy ass narration which like, is the narrator in this particular issue supposed to be just a narrator or is it Lang? The other No, it's a narrator. Yeah. It's yeah. a narrator. Okay. Yeah. Um also we have the debut of Eric the Red while Cyclops says that can't be I used to be Eric the Red. Yep, 100%. So, I what please tell me. What? I'm glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> so this this is our first appearance of Eric the Red. She are Eric the Red. But previously, I, I believe it was probably under Stan Lee's run, um, Cyclops was going to infiltrate Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So he dressed up exactly like Eric the Red, called himself Eric the Red, <laughs> and w- infiltrated the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So for whatever reason, a decision was made Okay, that was just a throwaway thing we did. What if we had a random person from space just happen to look exactly like Scott's made-up costume from fucking 20 years ago? 
or 10 years ago. <laughs> like, that's random. It's crazy. It's so funny. And the fact that they acknowledge it, too. It's like, why'd you do it? Then? <laughs> it never gets paid off. It never gets paid off for why he's dressed <laughs> like that. If I remember correctly, maybe we'll be surprised. Yeah. But if I, I do not recall ever understanding why... Oh, now I forget his actual fucking Shi'ar name. Um, why Eric the Red chose to dress like that? Because that's not really a Shi'ar fucking battle <laughs> outfit. Okay, yep. As usual, I try to get an answer, and now I have more questions. Uh, <laughs> well, so, actually, I think it is. A, I think it might actually be a Shi'ar title now at this point, because I'm pretty Recon? sure there have been other Eric the Red. It doesn't fucking matter. It's yeah. fun. What well, because aren't aren't Shi'ar people like unless you're gladiator, you just take that title. If you're part of the elite guard. Exactly. Yeah. That's what yeah. I was saying. Like, so I'm like, maybe it is a title, but I don't, cause I don't I think don't, it's don't. not part of the Imperial guard anyway. Anyway, anyway. Um, so also we have like, I'm just going over little moments I really liked in this first issue. Like when Polaris and storm are fighting, she calls it a stalemate cause she's using her magnetic energy and storms using weather energy <laughs> and storm is like a draw. You think this is a fucking game? I know. And again, the most beautiful artwork of like this kinetic energy around her while she makes like a vortex and then just zaps Polaris. Dude, she makes like she has so much control of her powers. Like she makes a tiny little hurricane <laughs> and like lightning bolts fucking Lauren and Dane to death. Um, also, I noticed Eric is so careful with these people he mind controls. Like, he's very, like, precious about them. Yeah, he just scoops them up and flies away. Yeah. So, <laughs> also, yeah, Havoc and, and uh, Polaris attacked. Which, of course, if your brother comes out of nowhere and starts attacking you, you're pretty confused. Yeah, they're, uh, the fucking Alex and Scott relationship <laughs> that already starts in this fucking book, man, it's out of control. First, I want to say for Alex's sake... They don't do anything with his geology background anymore. He's a news I don't think to he, me. <laughs> yeah, he and Lauren like the fucking running gag through most of Claremont's run is that he and Lorna just wanted to finish their fucking degrees and live their lives, and they kept getting pulled back into shit. Maybe he can use it now in limbo. Yeah, maybe. Right. Um, yeah, it, it's it fucking storm being like that shit's a game to you. Yeah, that's fucking that's pure. That's perfect storm. And now a fantastic ending where basically they're flying away because the fight's over and Cyclops is like, hey, don't fly away. I'm going to shoot you down. And then he couldn't shoot him down. He felt bad. Yeah, that's the one. T- yeah, he <laughs> had no problem like pretending he was hurt to sucker punch his brother at some point, if I recall correctly. Yeah, but then but also like- he uses his blast with non-lethal ways. So like, mm-hmm. why couldn't you still just blast him down? Yeah, you and did then- it once. He did because, it well, because if he, in this book. If he fell from that height, you know what I mean? I guess, yeah. But then, like, Wolverine's like, you little bitch, why didn't you do it? And then he, for the first of many times in this book, someone just straight up backhands Wolverine. <laughs> so as you, yeah, as you were um, alluding to early on, they're still figuring characters out. Uh, yeah. Fucking Wolverine just debuted, I think, that same year or, like, the year before in a Hulk book, they have no fucking clue if they want him to be a mutant yet. They don't really know what the fuck they're doing with him yet. So like at they literally question it in this story. Like, I know. Like, so, I think next issue or issue. Uh, yeah. It's funny to me because like every time I see somebody punch Wolverine, I'm always like, 
I'm so used to the, the the skeleton shit, you know what I mean? That I'm like, how can you do that? Oh, wait, that's right. Doesn't exist right now. I'm telling you now, listeners, he gets bitch slapped within oh, this chunk that we're covering at least two more times. 100%. And I find it amazing. And then when he goes to try and punch uh, Scott back, Storm's like, if you even try it, you'll have to answer to me. And I'm like, wow. Wolverine's yeah. kind of a bitch, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That the and he gets called a, a different word for a little person the entire book. Oh, people, people rag on his height from start to finish, and they are not kind about it. No, especially the Irish. <laughs> the fucking accents. <laughs> Did you uh, I... not get tired of the way Claremont wrote Irish people? <laughs> Between his Irish writing and the the Scottish is the worst. Yeah. Like, holy fuck. Like, I have to read it like two times and be like, what the fuck are we saying here? <laughs> and that's before the leprechauns. Anyway, so. <laughs> have you ever tried to read it out loud, though? <laughs> no. No, I have not. <laughs> it's fucking insane. I don't insane. want to cast a curse in my house. It's fucking oh. insane trying to say. Dinna? <laughs> like, how is Dinna, D-I-N-N-A, I don't wanna or like it's it's like just random gruntle sounds for like words. <laughs> so anyway, now on to issue twenty-eight. Don't you dare correct me, <laughs> but if you did, on to issue ninety-eight. Christmas comes to New York and the X-Men are enjoying their time at Rockefeller Center. Gene is disappointed in everyone because they don't have enough Christmas spirit. Everyone splits off and Gene and Scott go on a date. While waiting for the elevator, Gene tells Scott to kiss her. As they kiss, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby walk by with commentary about how they'd never do that back in their day. Truly the start of Claremont redefining Gene and making her a strong lead character. As Gene and Scott get to the restaurant, the Sentinels attack. The Sentinels, the Sentinel thinks it's killed Scott, grabs Gene, and takes off. Banshee sees this happening and tells Storm to go warn Kurt and Peter. Banshee and Wolverine then take off to fight the Sentinels. By the time Storm arrives, Sentinels have taken off with Jean, Banshee, and Wolverine, and Storm has to destroy the last Sentinel before it takes Scott. Meanwhile, a Sentinel attacks Xavier and Peter Corbeau, who are deep-sea fishing off the coast of Cocoa Beach. Lovely. (laughs) The Sentinel destroys their boat, kidnaps Xavier, and leaves Corbeau floating in the wreckage. We then cut to Stephen Lang and his crew as they run tests on Gene, Wolverine, and Banshee. Gene calls Lang a goddamn Nazi. Lang hits Gene and Wolverine, breaks free to kill Lang. Lang and the crew get away, and the Sentinels begin attacking. They are being outnumbered when Banshee grabs Wolverine and Gene to escape. But it turns out they're in space! Dun-dun-dun! oh this is fucking amazing right (laughs) um i this is i think the moment i said to myself i'm genuinely enjoying this art wise story wise pacing i'm loving 
everything about this. That's so funny. I'm glad you said that because my first note on on issue 98 here is one of my all-time favorite X-Men issues. Yeah, it was perfect. It truly felt perfect. No notes on this issue. One point you didn't point out that is the most important fact in this whole issue is <laughs> Banshee can scream his clothes off. Now you could not. I, I, listen, I get what you're thinking. Oh, he could just take his shirt off, take his pants off. He has his costume underneath. Fuck that. You need to shout towards your own clothes till they burst off and you're just wearing your tight costume. And right next to you, Storm is just electrifying herself into her costume. On stable molecules, baby. Whatever that meant. <laughs> that is that is a running joke. That's some speed force bullshit. That is Reed Richards created that's ever it's the running gag. Reed Richards created something called unstable molecules. They made clothes out of it, and that's why superheroes can just do whatever they want. Yeah. Um that is that is one hundred percent what they say numerous times, and it's not just in this book, it happens across the Marvel universe. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, seeing a Stanley Jack Kirby cameo is definitely interesting and nice. They there are a lot of meta moments in the in this in this book. It's also the moment I realized, oh, this is from the seventies, and they're very specific about time. In yes, in this, I, know, I noticed that in the Storm flashback. Yeah, it's like they, it's nineteen fifty one. Yeah, like the book itself said, like it's Christmas, nineteen seventy five, or whenever, like whenever it first came out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, it's crazy how they're just like, sure, we'll just do this in real time. I also love how when Scott had to fight the Sentinel the first time, he's so worried about other people later in the book, but when he had to fight the Sentinel, he just blasted a hole through it and just fell off the top of the building, crashing everywhere. But later, when Storm completely vaporizes the sentinel he's like what are you doing dummy yeah, it was it, a interesting reaction it, it was fucking it's silly man it, it, it's a silly issue and the and I love it. it it's perfect there's one flaw there's one thing I don't like and it's not necessarily a flaw because it becomes a story issue yeah. but I fucking truly hate the scene where Wolverine just rips Jean's skirt in half and it's yeah. like <laughs> no, here it you was go. a choice yeah, but like again, it's it's a it's resetting her as like more of like the the sexy character, the powerful character. She's gonna get into a fight, so she can't be wearing this this impractical outfit stuff. But like, it's like man, I, I truly, truly despise early early Wolverine. He is extremely pervy immediately towards Jean. Um, <clears throat> I also really, really like when storm i want to see this in live action one day uh i really want to see storm suck a sentinel into a spiraling hurricane tornado whatever and then blow it up with lightning and then i want to see that happen and then i want to see scott just start giving her shit about it yes <laughs> like he's like you can't do that she's like bitch i just did i just did what are you gonna, what are you gonna do about it like, um gonna, i did have a moment like of like when were they captured when did that happen off screen? <laughs> That's why, like, I, w I was like, I don't know. They get captured because it truly <laughs> like, is. Storm <laughs> arrives and Cyclops is like, oh, just before you got here, they took off. <laughs> yeah. And then that was it. They're just gone. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. Right, got okay. you moving. I get the story moving. Sorry. That's just, that's what you get. Um, also, the debut of, uh, for me at least, these um, psychic blasts 
that Xavier's doing to a machine. Love that. Love it. Like, like, I was I'm just like, wait, with my mental blast. Because I, okay, I get it for a human. Like, yeah, you're up, you're overloading their brain. Fine, mental blast. But this is a robot. <laughs> I know. There's a bit of foreshadowing in this book that I really like too, where um, they over and over again, like Gene says, I'm, I'm strong. That Sentinel must be thinking about the old, the old X-Men because I'm stronger now. Like there's a yeah. couple times Claremont lays it on heavy to say, you better watch out for this, this bad bitch right here. Well, since the beginning of his run before with the giant size, I feel like in his mind, this is a sequel to the original book, like the original Stanley run. Yeah. He's just, he's like, yeah, you can he's... go between those two books and that's all you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that. I, I, I long for those days where there's just one continuity. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, do you mean more like you want those days where it's just one book you had to follow that was yes, loaded 100%. with content and yes. story yes. that you can appreciate? Yeah, I yeah. definitely miss those. That's kind of why I've loved the current Daredevil run so much because all you have to do is read Daredevil. Yeah. And it felt like you were getting more than enough content for your money. The one time they had an event, the Daredevil book went on pause and the event happened and back to the Daredevil book. And it oh, felt cool. really refreshing. Yeah, so, cool. yeah, back to this book. <laughs> um, also, to be fair, another good book, good book in the 70s and 80s, Daredevil, but really great art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so now that they're captured, again, hilarious how they got captured. They actually mention how the Sentinels are the ones that confirm that Wolverine is a mutant. Because the people who capture him are like, is this guy even a mutant? And like, I don't know. Yeah, and they're like, well, the Sentinels say he is. But then they also go out of their way over the next couple issues to be like, these Sentinels suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're supposed to be adaptive, but they seem to just overload and get fucked. <laughs> they they are like fucking store brand Sentinels, man. And of course, like Gene's like, you're an asshole. And he just smacks her across the face. Just and Wolverine him. bursts out of his chains like, fuck that. Time to be a white knight. I'm going to save Gene. But then the next page, Gene's like, we got to get the professor. And he's like, he's knocked out and crippled. Who's going to carry him? Like, I don't know, man. You. <laughs> you just bursted out of metal chains. You're I apparently think super you, strong. I think yeah. you could manage. I think you could. But I'm not tall enough, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the leverage and the height differences this doesn't work. His legs are flopping on me. He, he calls... I think when he's correct me if I'm wrong here, if you have the book open, yeah. but he leaps out of the chains to defend Gene. But I yeah. think he also calls her like a frail a fr- or some I broad, her like, broad a few times. He, he uses just so many derogatory words about women. I don't, it, it might not be this, this scene, but he, he fucking, he Wolverine is the worst. Well, I'm, I think, Colossus early in this book was like stop calling her abroad. Oh, one hundred percent. There, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's yeah, that's one of that's when they're in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So after he complains about having to pick up a crippled person, um, <laughs> Banshee, <laughs> the hero, you know, uh, Banshee's like, I'm gonna do my thing. Yell, burst out, and I really like this scene because I didn't know they were in space. So when they just ended up in space, I'm like, that's actually a That was a surprise because we as a reader, no idea they were in space. No clue whatsoever. It was a legit like, oh shit. And like uh, to be continued, if I'm a kid in the 70s right? reading that, 
this is my favorite book of all time. 100%, dude. This yeah. shit is... And what I love about what Claremont was doing here, it it's, it's we take it for granted now because yeah. the, the target audience for, for comic books is, is older. But back then, the, com- the target audience was younger. And he was managing to make a punch-em-up story. Like, every two pages, the X-Men are in an explosion. Yeah. Like... He manages to do that while building like robust adult relationships and characters and situations. It's it's fucking nuts. At some point, the whole pretense goes away and it just becomes an adult book. But for now, like, <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, I put Cyclops being a dick to Nightcrawler because like Nightcrawler be like, hey, man, calm down. We're going to find them. And he's like, get the fuck away from me. It, it, Claremont hates Scott. <laughs> Like he writes Scott like such a dick from here. Like Scott eventually abandons his wife and child. Like he hates Scott. <laughs> he fucking hates him. He's a layered character. He's a layered character, though. You gotta give him that. He does yeah. he does give he might hate him, but he gives him he gives him depth. <laughs> On to ep- issue, not episode, issue ninety-nine. The Sentinels fly out and somehow save Jean, Wolverine, and Banshee before they suffocate in space. Meanwhile, Corbeau uses science to find out where Lang and the Sentinels are in space. Corbeau calls in some favors to get a goddamn shuttle launch together and has the X-Men dress as the crew. This is when we learn that Colossus' brother, Mikhail, was a cosmonaut that died in a shuttle explosion. The same time that the X-Men are flying into space, a massive solar storm is approaching the space station. The Sentinels attack the X-Men in space and Storm gets sucked out into space. Corbo then flies the rocket directly into the space station and again the Sentinels stop everyone from being killed in the void of space. The X-Men get into the space station and they all take out the Sentinels. Scott gets a psychic message from Jean telling him where to find her and the others. Scott orders everyone to go rescue Wolverine and Banshee while he takes Corbeau to go rescue Jean. Scott really wants to murder Lang. Scott bursts into Lang headquarters and starts beating the living shit out of him. Corbeau frees Jean and Xavier and Jean has to pull Scott off of Lang. However, right as the X-Men join back up with Scott and Jean, they are attacked by what looks like clones of the original X-Men, including Xavier. Bum, bum, bum. I, I would like it noted that I ended that sentence with an exclamation mark and just nailed it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm loving this now. So a little a little bit behind the scenes. We, I think we stopped twice during that, so it might sound a little <laughs> choppy because I we we can't stop laughing. Not because Jess is doing a bad job, it's because Jess guys. is it's because <laughs> Jess is fucking killing it. I just write incredibly ridiculous <laughs> shit for. I'm doing my job. Jess is nailing her job. I, you know what? I think I'm nailing my job too now. <laughs> And I'm the one putting it all together. Sounds about right. There it is. Um, so some things you forgot. Most importantly, Geraldo Havero. That's true. I did forget Geraldo. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the number of times 
Chris Claremont just puts a real fucking person into the shit. Like, he's always dropping fucking real reporters into his shit. I think there are a couple celebrities that pop up sometimes, like like musicians he happens to know. Not, not, not like not like David Bowie level, but you know what I mean? Like, it's fucking, it's like, wow, okay. He's just, this is all happening. This is all happening here. This is why Marvel Comics was the fucking best. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm sure anyone who's not older than 30 has no idea who this is. Yeah. I'll say, or so if you watch knows? a lot of Fox News, which you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, probably. Don't think so, yeah, I don't think so. So, yeah, if you're young and you don't know who Geraldo uh, Rivera, right? It's Rivera. Yeah, <laughs> even I'm blanking now. Um, if you don't know who he is, congratulations. Let's That's leave it fine. there. Let's <laughs> leave it there. Yeah. Um, I love how they got a rocket ship in record time. Do, do fucking Corbeau just knows somebody who's like, okay, sure, yeah, we'll str- we'll fucking string together a goddamn rocket launch in a day. Can you explain to the audience how amazing Dr. Corbeau is, real quick? Dr. Peter fucking Corbeau is the most <laughs> badass motherfucker <laughs> who's not named Jean Grey. In these comics, this motherfucker has a doctorate in whatever you need him to have a doctorate in. <laughs> this motherfucker is an expert pilot, expert boat captain. Yeah. He's, an, he's a fucking expert in whatever you need him to be an expert in. The running gag of the number of times in the next 17 fucking years that Peter Corbeau just pops in to solve a problem with the X-Men because he's just smart and he just knows everyone in the government. He's just... I I, I want a book on Peter Corbeau. <laughs> the most interesting man alive. The most... Truly, truly the most interesting man alive. Like, he's fucking phenomenal. He's so phenomenal, he got... First of all, he was in... Remember, dear listener, he was in Cocoa Beach, which is in Florida... <laughs> fishing with Xavier somehow survived the ocean swam back to shore or got picked up by the coast guard went to New York to find the X-Men then pulled together a shuttle launch and at this point in history and still really now the one and only one of the main places shuttles launch from is back in Florida (laughs) near Cocoa Beach so this motherfucker is just going back he's never sleeps Dr. Corbeau is the man. In a matter of hours. That's why you need to know how to fly a private jet. Yeah, that's true. He, he just, he has his own jet. Truly. So the, how else I, are you going to do that? Uh, I also love how his, um, his private jet and his private rocket ship are so strong that if your plan is to ram a space station, no fear. You're not the one blowing up. You're just going to perfectly ram into it and... I love it when a plan comes together once again. Dude, he fucking is just like, yeah, Scott, I'll do it. I'll suicide bomb us into this goddamn space station, but let's hope it doesn't get a scratch because it's our only ride back. It's like, yeah, it is. Don't fucking fly it into the space station. (laughs) Well, they had to do something because Colossus tore out of his suit when he was panicking, which I assumed he also had claustrophobia. That's what no. I thought they were doing at first. No, of course not. He just happens to have a cosmonaut fucking brother who died <laughs> in a fucking test flight. And we're just hearing it now. 
it didn't come up in conversation previously to be you fair know, it didn't really come up it didn't really and then up. once again another classic storm moment i'm in space there's no weather here well except the cosmic storms that's right is that is that the same i don't know if that's i don't i don't know to be fair if it's the same material that would be used to make weather storms i'm just gonna go on a limb since there's technically no atmosphere in space dude when they fucking are just floating in space (laughs) and then they come back in (laughs) and they just like cold (laughs) yeah oh you mean next issue when they're crashing back down and everything no no no, like no no like when gene wolverine and banshee are just floating in space with no spacesuits on Oh yeah, Jean put a bubble around them. It's no, fine. she didn't. She, I thought that was the whole point because there's, there's like a little. The yeah, Sentinels a little do, pink. but after they're already out there, they don't know they're in space. They uh, just. I okay. Look, are you looking at it now? The the I, first page of issue ninety nine. Yeah. Like, is that isn't that pink energy supposed to be Jean giving them protection? I mean. No, this thing. Not the not the cover. That's how that's how I read it, but I don't know if she has those powers then. <laughs> if not, then yes, they should be dead. They should have exploded immediately, popped their heads. <laughs> Either way, it's fucking hilarious. It's amazing. It is amazing. Hilarious. Um, Colossus is freaking out. Storm is summoning cosmic storms. They get inside, and it's a beautiful punch em up of multiple sentinels. And yeah, Cyclops is just fucking pissed you went near my girl i have straight up lost it and what i love about the ending of this issue clearly they're imposters but you have that moment where you realize oh yeah these characters these classic characters that we know and love have never met like nightcrawler didn't really understand who beast was no same with iceman they were just like oh i vaguely heard about you yep yeah, I love so that. Was kind of cool. I, I I forget how exactly what he exactly he says, but yeah, when he when he in the next issue when he's fighting Beast, I think he says something like, "I I read about you in the files." Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And later, more references of stuff like, "Oh, they never trained for Magneto because we thought we beat him already because he's a child." I, oh, I we'll get don't, there. We'll don't get worry. There. You know, I got an explanation. I, for I, I need I need the explanation for that shit. Anyway, let's get on to. Issue 100 of the Uncanny X-Men. The old X-Men and the new X-Men have a big fight. Claremont really hams up Stan Lee's 60s-era dialogue while making his X-Men sound more modern. During the fight, Storm is distraught by Jean Grey's apparent change and that Jean doesn't remember Storm. It's Storm that first starts to realize that these are imposters. Wolverine decides to attack the fake Xavier, and that's when Xavier stands up and punches Wolverine clear across the room, obviously surprising everyone. Two. While being telepathically attacked by the fake Jean, Wolverine uses his senses to realize that this Jean is fake, and he attacks her. Heavy implication by Claremont of a rebirth of Jean as a mutilated version of robot Jean lays dead. Cyclops then breaks into Lang's lab and frees Jean, Corbo, and Xavier. 
Lang jumps into a hovercraft and starts shooting at everyone. Gene takes control of his ship and flies him directly into his large computer monitor, and he full-on explodes. The X-Men then escape to the shuttle, but between the damage it's received and the incoming solar flare, there's no chance of survival. That's when Jean takes charge and uses her powers to take all of Corbo's knowledge of shuttles to learn how to fly. She's going to use her telekinesis to patch up the hole in the shuttle. She tells the rest of the X-Men to get into the radiation shelter. Scott objects and she knocks his ass out. She also tells Wolverine to shut the fuck up and listen to her. She's much softer with Storm. Once everyone is in place, Jean begins flying into the flare. Thank you. Fantastic. It was good. That's what happens. That's issue 100. Um, Greater love hath no X-Man. So I have a few questions about this issue. Uh, First of all, was this the first time we ever had the fastball special? This is, I have that note. This is the introduction of the fastball special. That is correct. Absolutely beautiful. And also, Council of the Chosen? Yeah, it doesn't come back up. Again, they're just trying stuff out. They're just trying (laughs) stuff out. Okay, so um, Jessica, I'll explain this to you real quick. The person behind all of this that Lang, this guy Lang is doing, he says it's because of the Council of the Chosen. And I was like, oh, I've never heard of this group. What's this group? Just made it up? (laughs) Nothing. As far as I know. Does Lang ever come back? Lang comes back back as like some government agent like anti-mutant person but i I, as far as i can recall there is no more mention of a council of the chosen at least not i I love how they made them like just generic shadowy they were just fucking the illuminati that's all just just the illuminati and then it's like yeah okay cool and i i do know the claremontism of like he'll drop something there and like see if he wants to go back to it later and if he doesn't then he doesn't yeah, like that was a thing he did on purpose. Yeah, it it's pretty good. And as as our as our narrator mentioned, um, there's a lot going on here with these robot X Men, and a lot of a lot of um, Chris Claremont ham fisting his uh, his metaphor in here about his X Men replacing these old X Men, and and this mutilated version of gene this weaker gene we've already said in multiple issues now oh they must think i'm the old gene gray not the super cool fucking badass gene gray um he's just really letting you know hey something crazy is about to happen with gene like she fucking first of all like the narrator said kills lang basically just takes control of his ship with her telekinesis and just flies him into a Big old monitor that he was, and I love before. how he begged for their help right mm-hmm. before he died. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that oh, really? <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah, pretty and good. I love the art too because in the art after Cyclops again, we have to reiterate this beats the living fuck out of Lang. Like he's yes. on top of him, punching him repeatedly in the face. The art of Lang's mutilated face is always so fucking funny <laughs> he's like, like i guess you win this round yes motherfucker <laughs> yeah you're missing a tooth now bitch yeah 
I love the artwork of Jean when she's in the spaceship and like the energy vort. The same artwork they kind of use in the beginning of the next issue. Yeah. But like it's the spaceship going across the sky and like the energy with her face in the background, like a really yeah. trippy, like almost like tri- dripping water paint on the yeah, bottom. Yeah, it's really cool. And if you like, look, you that's see- a poster I kind of want to have. <laughs> oh, yeah, that'd be cool. There's like a lot of like, and the art has like a lot of like feathery elements to it and a lot of fire elements to it. Like they're really like giving you that foreshadowing that everything's about to change. And like for me as a reader, a new reader of this kind of stuff, like seeing the classic page of Jean coming out of the water as a phoenix, I actually have context to that now. Like yeah, why right? she ended up, because I knew it was in space. Mm-hmm. But like my headcanon probably mixed with like the cartoon and like yeah. random stuff I knew. I thought I had to already do with the McCran crystal and the oh, shield. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought that stuff already happened. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, no this was the not. Council of the Chosen and like yeah, no. and robot clones and Sentinel. <laughs> Meh. Meh. Yeah. Oh, people, and for more, just just to like <laughs> some I, people I have, hand wave that. Yeah, those hand wave. Um, I had I have a, a a note about like the title of this of this goddamn pretentious as issue two. So, it's Greater Love Half No X Man, which is a Bible passage from John fifteen thirteen that reads, "Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends." Oh, okay. So, what's gonna what's about to happen with Gene? <laughs> if you kids know your Bible verse, as long as you good. God-fearing children out there, but yeah, I I love the 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 Jean who's like, this is what I'm doing. Like yeah. she's not the Phoenix yet. This is just Jean saying, I am going to take control of this situation. I'm the only one who can save us. So again, making sure that she's the center of the universe, quite literally. Um, again, remember, I love Jean. Um, <laughs> She like it's like I'm just gonna steal all of Cor- like he's gonna steal it. I'm just gonna take all of Corbo's knowledge. I'm gonna patch up this fucking. It's a show. lot of knowledge, all right. Get a ready. A lot of fucking knowledge. Um, she legitimately uses her telekinesis to knock out Scott. She does tell Wolverine to shut the fuck up. She's tired of his shit. And then when she's saying her goodbye to Storm, she's like, "It's like it's like Dorothy at the. It was, I'm gonna miss you the most, Scarecrow. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah." For that one time, that one the, night. The friendship and tenderness that Gene and Storm have for these few issues before um before Gene becomes the Dark Phoenix and everything, like I fucking love it. There's such a fucking deep connection between these two that never I never see it really play out anymore. And yeah. I think Hickman remember when they were doing like those new giant size um x-men's not too long ago like the the one the one where it's like emma and gene had to go figure out what was yeah, wrong with yeah. storm yeah that one i that was the last book i remember really mentioning gene and storm being being close yeah i feel like i remember learning about it during um after schism where wolverine reopened the school and called the gene gray school and like he told storm to be the head of the school because they were so close and stuff like yeah. that yeah but all right let's get into issue 101 the shuttle comes crashing back to earth and lands in jamaica bay the x-men miraculously survive and nightcrawler stops cyclops from trying to swim back to the wreckage for gene 
At that moment, Jean flies out of the water in one of the most iconic scenes in X-Men history. Scott and the X-Men manage to help a now-passed-out Jean out of the water. Crowds begin to form, and Xavier uses his powers to make everyone forget they were there. Wolverine is buying flowers to bring back to the hospital for Jean, thinking it's just going to be the two of them. But when he arrives, all the X-Men are in the waiting room. The doctor comes out to say he can't explain how, but Jean is fine and will recover with rest. Xavier uses his opportunity to send the X-Men on a forced vacation so he and Scott can look after Jean by themselves. That's when Banshee tells him about the letter he received about his family's castle being in danger. Just, you know, my castle. Um, The X-Men minus Cyclops and Xavier arrive in Ireland to Cassidy Keep. Storm immediately doesn't like the place because it's cold and makes her feel trapped. On their way to dinner, a trap door opens and the X-Men fall into a cellar where they are met with Black Tom Cassidy and Juggernaut. Black Tom says this will be their tomb and sends Storm into a PTSD spiral. Classic. Classic. Classic X-Men. Classic X-Men. So I think if you tell a regular X-Men fan like, hey, this is the issue debut of the Phoenix, they'll be like, oh, my God, what happens in the book? They go to Banshee's castle. One hundred percent. Like, that's <laughs> one of my favorite fucking things about this issue is that the first three or four pages are like, oh, my God, she miraculously survived. I can't explain it. What was this outfit she came flying out of the water in? Like. She like recites this fucking hear me X-Men. No longer am I the woman you knew. I am fire in life incarnate. It, now and forever, I am Phoenix. And then she just passes the fuck out. Like yeah. no one's like, what the fuck was that all about? And then it's a whole new adventure. And then Xavier's <laughs> like, get the fuck out of here, X-Men. We need to make sure that we control this situation because Xavier is never not trying to manipulate these fucking kids. Also, when they're in the water and Scott's trying to get to her, um, Kurt's like, hey, chill out, man. And he's like, Kurt, if you say one more goddamn word, I will blast you with full force. You will he's, be dead. He's like, you stop. When I was in the radiation shield, you stop me from going back to Gene now. Then, if you try to stop me from going now, I'm gonna straight up murder you. Yeah, it's like <laughs> like that scene in the Dark Phoenix movie where Magneto threatens Gene, and Scott just says, "I will fucking kill you." There that is. is the most accurate, actually. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly what he would fucking say. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then, I, if you remember from my notes, I put Wolverine acting like an emo bitch. Because that's what he does. He walks around to get roses and then straight up is like, I'm sure it's just going to be me and her at the hospital. Why? Why would you think? Why does he assume that? And I love that his plan is then I'll then we'll get to talking because she's laid up in the hospital bed feeling all weak and vulnerable. And I'll just I'll just make a pass at this fucking girl who's like 20. And you're like 100. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, that's that's Wolverine. And I do kind of like this vulnerable moment because also, are you looking? Are you looking at the page where he comes walking in with the flowers to the hospital? He just throws them like he doesn't even (laughs) fucking bring them in. He just still bring flowers. He can still bring flowers. It doesn't have to mean you want to bone someone. It's fucking insane. Wolverine's the worst. (laughs) 
it's true. Um, I also love the image when they find out she's okay, and they're just like, I don't know, she's fine now. Like, what was initially wrong with her? Like, what happened? What did you do as a doctor? Two two <laughs> points about that scene that that are just springing to mind right now. First, the doctor is consulting with Peter Corvo. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to make sure I point that out. You are correct. Uh, secondly, when they receive the good news, Nightcrawler, who is in disguise as Errol Flynn, I believe, <laughs> literally bounces off a wall and the ceiling <laughs> with joy. It's like, I'm sorry. No one knows you're some acrobatic elf-like creature right now. You're dressed, you're, your image inducer is making you appear to be a an old time Hollywood actor and you're bouncing off the wall right now. Also like Colossus just swings Aurora in the air, storm in the air. And then I, I I, I do like the moment though. when like basically Cyclops is crying from happiness. And like Nightcrawler seems to be like, "Eh, sometimes you gotta let dudes do their thing. Can the, can you turn it to the page where, where that's happening? And can the narrator please read what Scott says? It's fucking dev. It's so devastating. Like when he's, when he's like, after they find out, he's like, thank you. God. Like there's something like, there's some point where he's like, thank you, God. Oh my, like, he's just like, so pleading. If you, if you can't find it, I'm probably misremembering the scene then, but there's yeah, like this here. Okay. Gene, you're going to be all right. Oh, Gene. Thank God. Thank God. And like the art with that, like that diet, like it's so fucking like melodramatic but it fucking hits, man. It hits me right there. I'm like, oh, Scott, two seconds ago, I hated you, but I feel I feel for you right now, buddy. Now imagine right after you find out your dear friend's going to live after this traumatic mission <laughs> and your boss is like, all right, everyone get out and go to Ireland. <laughs> you he like he doesn't even have a destination in mind for them yet. That's that's no, he's just like get out. For he's vacation. like, you guys have to go on vacation. I require it of you. And then Wolverine bursts out his claws, like, make me. He's like, I will. I will literally make you. And he's like, I know. Okay. He's like, <laughs> it's insane. I fucking hate Xavier. <laughs> he's the fucking worst, man. Like, what, what, got, pointed, what um, got pointed out? The narrator just pointed out that she now believes, <laughs> based off um, his wording, when he's told everyone to leave. You heard the doctor. Jean's recovery depends on the care and attention she receives. Care that Scott and I are prepared to give her. And what did you just say to me? Are they going to Eiffel Tower her? I, so. <laughs> well, I he's think, paralyzed below the waist. Well, maybe sometimes. sometimes. <laughs> it depends on who you ask. That's um, Don't tell Juggernaut that. Um, so. At one point in the early Stan Lee days, there are there are moments where Xavier is like, I have a crush on Gene. And I like he yes, starts, they bring it back up in the 90s. Yeah, like so to the narrator's point, maybe. Yeah. Um, I love that like they're just going to a castle now. And then like Storm's like, the best way to take a shower is when I manipulate <laughs> the air around me. She and give just, myself a storm shower. She's just—is she even outside? Isn't she just in the middle, like in, of her room? It looks like she's just in a hallway. <laughs> she's in her like near yeah. a window. But either way, like, where's the water? Go- it's just going 
in she's the room. making it with the weather, the water vapor and the and the wind. Can you... And then Nightcrawler is like, "Holy shit, you're really hot. I'm gonna be super horny to you right now. Don't Her... worry, Colossus will also be super horny to you. But don't worry, Wolverine's still being horny about Jean. Everyone's horny for somebody. I love it. I love that the is fuck... the moment in my notes. I put everyone is so horny. Don't worry, trapdoor. Don't worry, we're all falling down. <laughs> um, yeah, I I do. So it, the, these early days, Claremont plays around with the idea of Colossus having a crush on Storm. And I'm glad it only ever stayed as that. And then they became very good friends in Storm. Like, I'm I'm glad nothing ever really happened between well, them. Well, I guess it's that high school idea of like, these are teenagers, essentially. They're supposed to be young adults, or like, you know, older teenagers, I'd say. Early teenagers kind well, of thing. He's definitely, he's definitely like 18, I believe, or 17. Yeah, I'd say everyone's around 18 and to 21. Storm is, yeah, I think Storm is older than him, but yeah. Know. But no. like I like that idea of like no, they're all like they've never been in a group like this because they've all been outcasts and freaks. So now that they're not, they're gonna act like young adults do. They which they is become be horny, make they mistakes. Become, they become a very close knit group of friends who fuck. Yeah, that happens. And, and you know what? That's why we love them. Perfect. <laughs> What was that? No, it's fine. It's fine. Anywho. Okay. So also I was confused because I was like, wait a minute. Is this also the debut of Juggernaut? That can't be right. No, I, was, no. I misunderstood that he's never met this particular team of X-Men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But this is debut of Black Tom Cassidy previously. I think it might be. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the first time we met him. I'm pretty sure. So now they went through a trap door. They're facing Juggernaut and Black Tom. And immediately Storm is like, we're literally in too deep. I can't deal with this right now. It's, he literally says the word doom and she shuts the fuck down again. Yeah. That's it. it yeah. She just, she's just hiding in the corner and the X-Men just seem like, okay, well, we're gone. So no, do you think that was the idea of like, we've made this woman so powerful. Like we have to give her a weakness. Probably, but I mean, I think Claremont's approach for all of them was they all have flaws. They're they're all the gonna, human flaws. Yeah. They all have a human flaw. Yeah, I mean yeah. that was kind of the Marvel way too. I mean, I mean all people... right, let's get into issue one o two. With Storm out of the fight, the rest of the X Men attempt to fight Juggernaut. Colossus is beside himself with worry about Storm, and Wolverine tells him not to worry about some broad. This upsets Colossus. The X-Men are getting their asses kicked and Nightcrawler tries to lure Juggernaut away. Juggernaut then decides to use Storm as a hostage and we get a flashback to Baby Storm. We see that her family moved back to Cairo and shortly thereafter the Suez War broke out. During this conflict, a jet lost control and crashed into the embassy Storm and her parents were at. The building comes down and kills both her parents and leaves her trapped. We then see that Storm grows up on the streets, learning to be a pickpocket and a thief. However, she eventually heads to the Sahara, where she becomes a goddess of weather for the people there. That is, until Xavier comes and takes her away. Back at the castle, things are going poorly for the X-Men. Nightcrawler gets knocked out and saved by some leprechauns. 
Unfortunately, the rest of the X-Men get captured by Juggernaut and Black Tom. Meanwhile, Xavier senses that Storm is in danger and tries to get Scott to go help. Scott isn't having it, and they get in a fight before Xavier has more visions of the Shi'ar. <laughs> yeah, Scott Scott is very much like, I'm not going. Uh, yeah, I'm not leaving. I don't give I'm, a fuck. Um, you ever had such bad anxiety or fear that you just fell into a flashback? If I'm in a Claremont comic, yeah, all the time. <laughs> you have flashbacks right now, <laughs> I, dude. I, but what? it doesn't really explain her claustrophobia. The best attempt for it was a, the building killed her parents, and she was trapped for a little bit. And like you'd have a fear of rubble. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, get, I don't I, know. Yeah, because it's just like a generalized fear of enclosed spaces. You know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, Baby Storm is a yes. goddamn adult. Yeah, we're looking at it right baby now. Size. <laughs> Look at the head of hair on that fucking child. Yeah. That is she, a fully ready child. Ready for the world. That child, like her facial expressions, everything. Like this child is just the most self-aware infant that has ever existed. <laughs> Also, uh, I love that we meet Jean's roommate, Misty Knight. Hell fucking yeah, we do. I'm <laughs> just like, oh, that's random. Yeah, because Chris Claremont's like, Chris Claremont's like, I like Misty Knight. I'm gonna put her in my books. <laughs> like, he loved yes. he he, he loved to take characters that weren't being used anywhere else and bring them into his book. Was this like the five seconds? Uh, Colleen Wing wasn't wasn't her best friend. <laughs> For a short period of time, she and Jean Grey were best friends, yes. Fair enough. Um, but also, I love when she's talking to her and she's like, uh, where is it? Uh, how would you feel if you had to bring yourself back to life? And like flames appear behind Dude, her and her eyes turn green. Yes, Exorcist. It's straight up the Exorcist. I mean, the movie came, What I think the movie came out around this time. It might have come out a couple years before this book, frankly. I would have like. This one hundred percent the scene from The Exorcist. The way the bed frame, all of it, like it's fucking nuts. And I love when uh, Xavier's like, "You need to go help the X Men," and he's like, "One, I'm not going anywhere. Two, what would be the point of me leaving now? I'm not gonna get there in time to make a difference. We're right. in, I'm assuming, New York, and you want me to get to Ireland? That's gonna take a while. <laughs> like he's like, we, I can't just. We don't have gates yet, Professor." Yeah, we don't get, you think we have some kind of plant-based gate that we can just travel through? That's ridiculous. Uh, I love that for some reason both the Cassidys are immune to each other's powers. But we don't say what Black Tom's powers are. No, we say, as usual, vague with that. It, and like so Cassidy, like, why would his sonic waves not work on you just because you're family? <laughs> well, they eventually do that for Scott and Alex. So, do they? Like, yeah, they do like that's that's canon now. It, it like at this time it wasn't, but I think once I think once Claremont wrote it for Banji in in Black Tom, I think it became canon for those two because it's yeah, it's a big story thing where they can't their powers do not work on each other. But like I'm, I'm now Why? I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I'm know. myself it, because I'm like, well, then can Polaris and Magneto not use their powers on each other? Um. I don't know, but I feel like they have. Right? <laughs> but again, I guess I guess the difference there is like well, may, they can use their powers to manipulate things around them. 
You know what I mean? Like you mean like sonic waves? But yes, but like maybe like you know how like Magneto is want to like pull the iron out of somebody's body. Like yeah. maybe she can't do that to Magneto, and Magneto can't do that to her. But throw a car magnet, uh, magnetize a car, and throw it at him. They can probably do that. I guess. I did like that um, Colossus and Juggernaut just fought so much they brought down half of the tower. Absolutely. It's just some crumbling down. But then, like, the part where Colossus knocks out Nightcrawler, I'm just like, wait, leprechauns? <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, I will never forget the first time I read this. <laughs> I was just like, really just going there aren't we what and then and then i tell myself told myself that what i tell myself now is i mean night crawl like what what's the fucking difference i guess and also we'll get more into this next issue but when i saw that nightcrawler like a piece of his body was missing in the art i just thought it was bad artwork like they just missed it in editing please never say that about dave cockrum because like I saw that. I noticed that panel where, like, oh yeah, yeah, like Nightcrawler's body was missing. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll, yeah, this was. We'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, more. we'll get there next issue. Yeah. So, as a matter of fact, now this issue ends with the team being caught because you know what, Cyclops is right. He wouldn't have gotten there in time. <laughs> no, he would not have. It's a, it's a, it's a few hours of a flight, even yeah. with the X wing. Xavier is such a demanding fucking asshole. I that moment where he's like, "How dare you say no to me? Like Ugh. I gave you everything, I took you in. You want like, you already boy. pulling that card. He's ready to use that card. God, that was that was loaded up in the barrel. Yeah. All right, let's go to issue one hundred and three. We open with Nightcrawler being carried to safety by a bunch of leprechauns. When he comes to, he freaks out. But the steward of the house and the leprechauns tell him that they have lived here for generations and that Black Tom recently came and locked most of them up and has been blackmailing the steward. We see in the flashback that Eric the Red has been giving orders to Black Tom. The leprechauns also tell Nightcrawler that he's apparently invisible in the shadow and he scares the absolute shit out of a leprechaun coming to tell the rest of them that the X-Men have been captured. Nightcrawler and the Leprechauns go to save the X-Men and overhear that Black Tom and Juggernaut are really there to lure Xavier into a trap and kill him. Juggernaut really hates his half-brother. Kurt uses his image inducer to impersonate Xavier and causes Juggernaut to lose his flippin' mind. While Kurt is jumping around as Xavier, Juggernaut punches a hole in the castle wall. That's when Storm snaps out of her PTSD and summons a hurricane to free them all, except for Banshee. Black Tom and Juggernaut use Banshee as bait to try and lure the X-Men back into a fight. Storm flies into action, Wolverine calls her abroad again, and Colossus hurls Wolverine's ass all the way to the top of the castle. The X-Men are attacking the castle perimeter when a leprechaun shows up to offer Wolverine help. It's one of, if not the first time, someone calls him Logan. Names have a lot of power in Irish Celtic folklore, and we think that's what's going on here. Wolverine says he doesn't believe in leprechauns, and the leprechaun responds with, well, maybe leprechauns don't believe in talking Wolverines either and runs ahead. Truly a classic and insane panel. 
Nightcrawler then sneaks up and helps free Banshee. Banshee uses his sonic scream to blast Juggernaut away, and he starts fighting with Black Tom. Juggernaut is then confronted with the rest of the X-Men until Banshee shows up, kicking Black Tom off the castle and into the sea below. Juggernaut loses his mind and jumps in after him. We end with another being watched from a monitor scene as Eric the Red tells his employer that he's found someone else to kill the X-Men. And that person is Magneto. Leprechauns. 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 Um, First time showing up in the X-Men universe. Not only are they leprechauns, (laughs) but they're... I mean, we are in Ireland. We That's are the reason I know. <laughs> while in Ireland. Um yeah. but not only do leprechauns exist, they are owners and like historic families that live in this castle <laughs> that Banji grew up in. So Banji grew up He had a weird life <laughs> in a castle with leprechauns as friends. I have after this <laughs> two issues, I have so many new interests in the character of Banshee that I've never had before. I am fascinated by this the life this man must have former, grew up in. Former Interpol agent. Like yes. He's, he's like he's like a couple doctorates away from being Corbo. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of insane. Um, it's, it's I love the fights. I love the art. I love <laughs> gymnastics. Xavier. It's actually a pretty good idea. It's it's fucking insane. It's insane that he's so mad at his half brother that he can't even be like, oh, my half brother all of a sudden knows gymnastics and isn't paralyzed. Yeah. Also, like, I get he has an image inducer. Where did the wheelchair come from? Where did the wheelchair come from? And what is he doing about his German accent? Yeah. <laughs> he's just a trained actor and does Xavier's voice now. Um. Also, like. Does, when was the last time he ever used this chameleon power? So I don't know. I, I have a note about that, actually, because like this is a time when like they were exploring what his fucking weird powers are, and they were really leaning into like that shadowy disappearing shit. Like, I I'm not even against it. It doesn't even... It, I'm not, like, it, it makes sense, I guess, more than I'm anything else. I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm fine with it as long as... What happens on page one nineteen of our of our textbooks? As long as that happens every now and then, he comes out of the shadow. Yeah, in, in like I I'm not kidding you. I've read this book multiple times. Every <laughs> single time, I laugh out loud when that fucking leprechaun shouts, "Lord and Lady, preserve me!" <laughs> like, what the fuck? Just a crazy-looking mutant comes out of the shadow, and a leprechaun is scared. It's fucking. I'm just saying we have someone in the audience of Irish descent, and next time we have to do something like that, I'm just gonna give them the mic to read the line. I, I, yes, <laughs> go back and do the the Wolverine line because the other fucking sass, the other funny goddamn leprechaun scene, is when a leprechaun runs up, knows Logan's name. Um, a, a note I put po- I put in the narrative it was that's like an Irish thing. Like if you know a person's name, it gives you like power in some way over that person. Um, but, it's true. I got a confirmation yeah. from, from the leprechaun from from the leprechaun community. <laughs> leprechaun. <audience. laughs> um, uh, also, I the, love the part where wait, uh, wait, wait. We got to finish with this Wolverine leprechaun scene, please, go ahead. <laughs> because 
There's more about Wolverine leprechauns. <laughs> he motherfucking says, when the leprechaun's like, come with me, I can basically help you save your friends. And he's like, no way, bub. The Wolverine don't believe in leprechauns. And this motherfucking leprechaun, while running away, looks over his shoulder and says to Wolverine, suit yourself. Maybe leprechauns don't believe in talking Wolverines either. <laughs> I... What the fuck? I fucking love it. It's so fucking stupid. It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> so I also love the idea that Black Tom is just like, I wasn't ready for you guys to get here this early. You weren't ready. You have a prison that can float a metal man that can chain your brother, your cousin's mouth. It can chain up Wolverine perfectly. It can chain up Storm perfectly, countering their powers. Those were already in the castle. Don't you understand? It's a castle. Of course it has those things. There's Luckily, fucking my castle have this. There's leprechauns in there. <laughs> All things are possible in the in the fucking Cassidy Keep. You gotta be ready for anything. Truly. Um, I do like when Storm got out and she's like, thank God I'm free. And just the, like flying around. The minute there's a hole in the wall, she's like, oh my God, I can see daylight. <laughs> and like, I love immediately there's turrets. There's turrets. Um, I also wrote my notes when they were captured before. Um, the X-Men get captured a lot. The X-Men? Just in a few issues. They've been the captured like three times. The X-Men are either in a plane crash, a boat crash, or being captured. Those are the only, <laughs> only things that happen to the X-Men. Um, I put Banshee the Damsel, as we discussed. I love we it. Did, we did discuss that already, yes. Um, and at the very end, I just put how amazing it is to see Juggernaut be like, he's my only friend, and just Dude, leap off the building. The love, there is no truer love in comic books than the love between Black Tom and Kane Marco. They fucking love each other. Juggernaut like it becomes like again, because it's Claremont, there's a lot of like allusions to everyone's everyone's bisexual in a claremont book so just go yes. ahead and just go this ahead and assume true. that um but there are a lot of heavy illusions going forward that they are that they are lovers a little more yeah and i want and i and i i choose to believe it i choose to yeah. believe it um the fuck else if i fell off the side of a castle are you jumping over fuck no i'm gonna miss you like crazy yeah exactly you could be like nick there's time to catch me and be like oh shit no there ain't <laughs> not, not enough <laughs> you're like scott bitch it ain't enough time yeah no no not really <laughs> um but yeah no that was a fun issue so we're gonna wrap up today's episode on issue 104 where uh a, a big bad comes back the book opens with ex the X-Men dealing with some bigoted Scottish guy who won't rent them his hovercraft. Colossus changes into his steel form, and the guy changes his mind. So the X-Men are off to Moira's secret mutant research lab. Before they can get there, they are attacked and the hovercraft blows up. They're starting to get a bit of a complex about the number of vehicles they're in that crash. When they wash up on shore, Banshee comments on how big the lab is and that it's very strange that Moira would abandon this lab and her job at the university to be the X-Men's housekeeper. Isn't it just, Banshee? The X-Men don't have a moment to relax as they are attacked again. This time, a large chunk of the beach they're on flies into the air and they go hurling towards the lab. The X-Men use all their powers at the same time to blast through the wall so they don't get smashed. And who is doing all this attacking? It's Magneto! 
and he's not a baby anymore. And he's rightfully pretty pissed about the whole baby thing. Scott and Moira are in the Blackbird heading towards the lab. Scott is also pissed that he didn't know about this lab. They arrive and find Jamie Maddox knocked out. Eric the Red attacked him and used space magic to turn a captive baby Magneto back into an adult. When Cyclops hears that Magneto is back, he immediately takes off to find the X-Men. The X-Men are getting their asses kicked by Magneto, who is just basically toying with them. Scott gets the jump on Magneto and is able to stun him for a bit. He then orders the X-Men to retreat because he's figured out that Eric the Red is behind this and probably is trying to kill Xavier. Wolverine doesn't like retreating, even though his metal claws make him the weakest against Magneto. We then cut and see the Starjammers for the first time. They are trying to stop some evil plan by some unknown emperor. We also see Lalandra's ship, though we don't know her name yet, heading to Earth, where Xavier, Jean, and Misty Knight and Jean's dumb parents are all hanging out. Thank you, narrator. That was perfectly done. This is this is our this is the new way we do the podcast. It works. It really does work. This is the new way. I'm sorry, Jess. <laughs> you're you're roped in now. You're too good at everything, honey. Sorry. <laughs> there it is. There it um, is. first note I wanted to point out is Scott better get used to Xavier having secrets. Dude, these scenes are so fucking amazing now. Like this is some great retconning. Like, yeah. cause they, it works. It fucking works. If you know now and you read this passage, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. That's because they were fucking obviously Proteus. We'll be getting to that moment yeah, like, in next issue. But like, like it's crazy to like, they fucking, of course she went to be his housekeeper as part of their goddamn plan. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love that part. I love that Magneto. He's not just going to appear. He's going to up here he's gonna make a grand entrance magneto has never missed an opportunity to make a spectacle he was doing such ridiculous things with his powers like making all the tiny bits of metal surround banshee and like drag him down i was like wait what just happened he's just like oh it's been a minute since i've been allowed to use my powers you know because you kidnapped you turned me into a baby and then (laughs) held me against my will in a secret mutant research laboratory now i don't know please explain this shit to me what the hell happened to magneto okay so um you remember when magneto was something of a scientist himself and he was uh like creating the 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 people in the savage land basically and doing genetic shit Mm -hmm. um that was some stan lee shit so one of the things that happened in this time was Magneto found the ability in, in whatever you need to do, comic book science, to create a mutant named Alpha the Ultimate Mutant. And this mutant basically had any kind of powers it wanted. It was a, a, it was a means to an end. And got upset when the Defenders made him made Alpha aware that Magneto was lying to him and using him f- to do evil things and not good things. And as punishment, turn Magneto into a baby. <laughs> and then now we're learning that Moira had the baby Magneto. 
So that's sure. that's the story of we're Baby Magneto. Um, I also loved when we saw the Star Jammers because Crosshair is wearing yellow and blue, and I was not ready for that. I don't. It's Corsair. Corsair, sorry. I was like, who the fuck? Oh, sorry. Is <laughs> I'm like, what? But yeah, he um he's getting a jump on the on the X Men. He's he knows he's gonna be joining the X Men. He's gotta wear yellow and blue. Does he already know his son's on the group? No, no, I, don't. Okay. Maybe, I don't know. I think he does. I think he does. I think yes. Um, I feel like there should be a blurb of the parents being surprised that her roommate's black. Well, probably because her parents are the fucking worst. Yeah, Jean's parents. And it's the seventies. Like, Jean's, this is your roommate. Jean's parents are constantly fucking like a gasp at their fucking daughter. Like, think she's a monster. Like. That whole, the whole, we'll see in the Dark Phoenix saga, a lot of the Dark Phoenix shit is because her parents just wouldn't give her a fucking hug. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I do love the last panel because it's just, <laughs> it's just Eric, Polaris, and Havoc just standing outside a window. It basically a monitor, <laughs> no? Yeah. Essentially a monitor. <laughs> it feels it, like it. It's just it's like, Every fucking we're gonna time. get her now, <laughs> like in I, the middle of this neighborhood. The fucking trope of just the bad guy is just watching you from afar. Fucking is silly. It's so fucking silly. I love it. And I believe there's a part where Wolverine's backhanded again that I might have missed. Um, that sounds about right. Oh yeah, I think no. Scott yells at him, but I don't he just yells he at him. Yeah, I don't think he. He does, him. and then he does back down immediately again. Like he tends to do. Well, because he because he remembers what Storm said, and he don't want he don't want none of that shit from That's Storm. That's true. I do like that Magneto kind of goes like shit. I would have lost again to Cyclops if I didn't put my shield up at the very last second. Yeah, I I love that Magneto's like ah, oh, I got too cocky on that one. <laughs> and I like the idea that these new X Men never trained for Magneto because That's Cyclops good- is like. I didn't worry about him. He was a baby last time I saw him. <laughs> I didn't worry about him. He was a baby, and little did I know, Moira, you are the one supposed to be keeping track of him. <laughs> and I'm sure we've seen uh, Multiple Man many times before this. I don't know many times, but he no. wasn't in X-Men books much because he. I think he... It, there's a note in here, and again, I'm just going off of the editorial note in here, but he was in a fantastic four book too so i don't fucking know yes this was the only issue i noticed a bunch of like read this read this defenders number 16 read that yeah that's the that's the that's the uh alpha the mutant turning him into a baby issue yeah and then last scene giant sized ff number four but uh yeah so it's kind of funny like oh you're not in a trench coat and a green shirt nope not now not yet give him yeah. time give him time so Listeners, this was a fun issue. If you just like seeing Magneto flex a bit, he's no longer a baby, so he's just flexing a little bit. And uh, this is like the beginning of Magneto was right. Like, yeah, I'd be pissed too. (laughs) If I was turned into a baby. And then, again, held captive. Yeah. (laughs) Who was taking care of this baby? (laughs) Moira was wasn't there. Um, so Jamie, next issue we're getting into Jamie's duplicates. Oh yes. Uh, next issue we're getting into some stuff I might know about because I know about the Heralds of Galactus. Yeah, I didn't know we were getting into Fire Lord. He has 
a complicated history. I so, look forward to learning more about Fire Lord. I don't know. So I'll give you. I'll I'll be able to give some background to that. It's just annoying. Basically, when you get to any cosmic stuff, there's been so many retcons yeah, and power course. level changes and histories of. And but all we're that in stuff. a simpler time right now, my friend. We're in a simpler yeah, the time. The beginning right of retcons. Truly, truly. <laughs> so. For funsies, let's do this. We just covered a few issues. How many X's to the amount of issues we just read? To that first little chapter there? Yeah. I'm five fucking X's, man. Yeah, five full X's? I think so. I think I I know I'm biased because of of what this uh storyline means to me, but like it's fucking good. It's It it's is really si- good. It's silly, but like it's a comic book. You know what I mean? Like it's dramatic, but it's a comic book. The art is incredible. But yes, it's, it's I, I give it five X's. Uh, because I know how good this is going to get, and because this is all new, basically more or less to me. Like I know the story beats, obviously, but it's mm. a lot of stuff I never knew. Mm. I'm gonna give it four X's so I can save those higher ones for later. You bastard! Yeah, you give it four bastard. X's. But also, I'm gonna give it credit right now. A part of me even feels like this is a season of a TV show. Right. One episode, they're fighting in an airport oh, yeah. while Cyclops is having visions, or um, Xavier's having visions. Like, that's an episode. I know. Just do that. Live if action, you're gonna... Do that. <laughs> just do that. It's already there. They keep overcomplicating shit because they don't want to do the start of the Phoenix Saga. They just want to do the dark Phoenix Saga. Yeah, like, let's say, you know, during phase six or whatever MCU, we have the mutants finally. Phase seven should be called the Phoenix Saga, but like one movie is called the Shi'ar Empire or the yeah. McCran Crystal or whatever. Mm-hmm. One see one movie is called the the Hellfire Club. You know, like mm-hmm. that. Not just rushing to it. It's fucking. So up. yeah, I'm I'm really excited to keep reading. I'm really excited to see where the story is going. I've read a little bit more, and I've really liked. Like genuinely surprised how much I've liked what I've read so far. I'd love to hear it. And you know how much I love the Hellfire Club and my boy Sebastian. Dude. And I have read those issues. Okay. Of course. But it's been a long time. So now I'm going to have a lot more context. (laughs) I'm not jumping in the middle of the show. I'm excited to see what that feels like. Yeah. It's it's fucking great, dude. The the Dark Phoenix saga is so fucking good. And it's it's these stories that that help make it that way. It's a payoff. It's a payoff to what readers spent X amount of years. I mean, these came out once a month. This story lasted years. Yeah. Which is so crazy to think about now. Like, like I said before earlier, if I'm a kid in the seventies reading this, I'm blown the fuck away. Like this is blowing everyone's mind. No wonder people will revere it so much today. Yeah. Because we read that. So here we go. The Phoenix saga, the first issue we covered today came out in 1976. The last issue that we will cover, issue 138, came out in 1980. Wow. That's how long the story went. There's a chunk missing in there where they did some other stuff, but basically this storyline dragged on from 1976 to 19 to the end. It was like October of 1980. <laughs> Well, that's where like true sagas, that's how it always goes. Like recently, um, Thor Love and Thunder came out and they were trying to condense Jason Aaron's run. That was like six years. I know. 
And like, you can't do that. Like you can't try and condense six years worth of a monthly book sometimes has specials and multiple copies a month. Sometimes like you can't do that. And I hope people figure that out now with Disney, but um, yeah, I'm excited to keep going. Thank you guys so much. This is just the beginning of our Phoenix saga and our hundredth episode. You guys have been so amazing to us. Uh, we really want to make this next few episodes, our biggest episodes. So please share a link with your friends go on any of our social media outlets and look at the link that we have because our flyer has a link to the podcast. Give it to as many friends you think would care and give it to like four friends you think won't care because you might be surprised. Maybe they do. Don't forget to shake them for the love of God. The art, the art on these flyers alone are going to make them, it's going to make them care. Yes. And they're not looking at it. You have to shake them so they can look at the flyer correct are you not seeing how amazing this looks but yes no. exactly thank you but you know i don't support violence or putting your hands up it's not violence it's, it's for their own good it's a slippery slope my friend it's, it's the it's the slope so thank you guys so much josh where could they go to thank you you can send us an email we're at krakoa radio at gmail.com i pretty much don't I, I i think i might be pretty much done with social media at this point that's understandable and respected you can still find me on social media sometimes at madman3005 uh again so many thank yous to so many great fans i've said so many wonderful things and hopefully shaking so many people to also listen to the podcast nope we really really appreciate it It means the absolute world to us and it's only gonna get better remember we have some big news when we end the phoenix saga and it's gonna make a lot of people happy guys so buckle up get ready next episode we're gonna keep going down this crazy journey and we're gonna talk about some stuff happening in the mcu wanted to wait a little bit longer to give people time to see the newest movie and you should go see the marvels it is worth it but we'll have something from that movie to talk about that's very important anything else you want to say josh before we head out no uh he has nothing else to say to the likes of you I, so I, until then, guys, got nothing. Jump in the sky, see a solar flare, tell everyone to fuck off and absorb the energy. And until then, when you burst out the ocean, we will see you next time.